today I, I do have to have scriptures to qualify what I'm going to say because perhaps some of you have probably never heard what I'm going to talk about today. You never heard of it before. And so it may be new to you, so I want you to have, he that has an ear, I want you to hear what the Spirit is saying to you. And then I want you to be able to see it for yourself. Amen? Because when I know what God say, I can do what he says. Amen? When I get it, in the Bible saying all I get and get an understanding, so when I get an understanding of what God is saying, I can do better. But if I don't have an understanding, I have a lack of understanding, then I'm probably going to stay right where I am. And so today I'm really in a teaching mode, but you know how that goes. Amen. So, but I do want to teach with clarity today, and I want to teach for results today, because I want to see you move in a place in God where you've never been before. I want you to grow like never before. As a believer, your growth is very important. It is very critical when you are a believer. Are you following me? All right, so I'm going to start with Proverbs, the third chapter. Proverbs, the third chapter, and verse 9 and 10 is going to be our foundational scripture, but we'll, we'll move to others, but that's where our foundation is going to be. Now, again, if you have your, your, your iPad or you have your phone, you can download the app and you won't have to take as many notes, but you can type as fast as you can type because some of y'all can do better than others. For the theme for the year is winning is the key in 2023. You say, how do you come? Well, you know, we, we understand that this is the winning church. In the last three years, there are things that have perhaps hit our life, may uh, make us think that we were not really winning in life. But I really want you to win in life. I'm talking about it in its totality. I'm not just talking about some one-time game, you know, that type of thing. No, I want you to come out a champion victoriously in life. I want you to win in every aspect of life. And it starts with you speaking it. Come on, open your mouth and say, I am a winner. See, that's all you have to say, that you are a winner. No matter what life throws at you, you're going to come out winning. Are you following me? Because life is going to test you. But you can still come out on top. And so uh, this month we've been talking about winning and giving. Amen. For this month we've been talking about giving, winning and giving. For the years winning is the key in 2023. But for the month is winning and giving. And so don't get afraid and, and, and don't, you know, be, uh, oh Lord, here we go. No, no, no. We're, we're going to teach for learning purposes, you know, uh, today. So I want to talk to you about winning with your first fruit giving. Say that with me, winning with my first fruit giving. Now, I want you to keep in mind that you're going to be winning in your first fruit giving. 
don't let nobody sidetrack you. Don't let nobody disturb you. Every day we should set aside some time to thank God for his blessings, his love, and his grace. Every day. Did I say every day? Every day we should take the time out to thank God for all the things that he has done, all the things he is doing, and all the things that he will do. So in the Bible, there are many types of givings and sacrifices that God's people did because of their relationship with God. And today I will scratch the surface of this topic because it's so deep and I don't have the time in our one service to deal with this complexity of study. But I will attempt to give you some nuggets you can chew on for your growth and edification. The sacrificial system of the Old Testament was a means of grace by which the relationship between God and humanity begins to be restored. Ultimately, the sacrificial system was inadequate, which is why Jesus came to the earth. The Old Testament can be said to revolve around a system of sacrificial offerings uh, mitigated by the priests doing rituals to atone for the sins of humanity, especially of Israel. These offerings run throughout the majority of the Old Testament. Genesis 3 and 20 may allude to the first sacrifice where the Lord God offered garments of skin to Adam and Eve and to express devotion and commitment to his priest, humanity, serving in his temple, the heavens and the earth. And so in scripture, we have all types of offerings that we may see, and sometimes we don't stop to look at them, but I want to just run through a few of them just briefly because I can't really, you know, deal with it like I really want to. But we have seen, after reading in our scripture, one, number one, burnt offering. The first offering is the olah in the Hebrew, literally an offering of a sin, commonly called the burnt offering offering the burnt offering so the purpose of the burnt offering was to generate atonement of sin and expression of devotion to God atonement of sin and devotion to God everywhere in scripture where you see someone giving an offering it is a personal thing between them and God they wanted to show God their appreciation for what God had done in their life. God had atoned them for their sins, so this is our way of giving an offering to show our appreciation. When we're devoted to God, we bring offering because we want to show him our uh, dedicated uh, uh, way, our, dedicated, our dedicated service to him. Then there was the grain offering, the second type of offering in the Old Testament, is the machah or the grain offering. The purpose of the grain offering was a voluntary expression of devotion to God. You voluntarily say, God, I want to give you this devotion. Nobody has to make me do it. 
I'm doing it on my own to recognize your goodness and your providence. Say that with me, goodness and providence. In other words, I recognize how he provides for me and take care of me. Right? So many of you all recognize the goodness and the providence of God that's on your life. No matter what folks say to you or try to derail you or try to bring you down, you recognize the goodness and the providence of God. And sometimes you could be minding your own business, but you have a providential moment where you recognize that no matter what it looks like, this thing is going to turn out all right. Why are you having that providential moment when other people are saying negative things and trying to pull you down by their words and their actions and looking at you strange? You're having a providential moment where you realize that God going to provide for you no matter what it looks like. I'm at a loss in the, you know, the stock market. My investments are acting funny. I'm telling you things are not looking the way that I want them to look. I might have made a bad investment over here, but I just know that God is going to work this thing out and I'm going to have a providential moment where I just no matter what happens I know this thing is going to turn around in my favor I don't know who I'm talking to right now but I'm telling you goodness and providential you ought to just thank God for that you ought to recognize his goodness oh my God every day of your life why because he said goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life Down your intelligence, it's following you. You may not recognize it, but goodness and mercy is right there. I don't care if you speed up and start running. Goodness and mercy will start running right on behind you. You trying to speed up, good mercy, I'm right here. You turn, goodness and mercy, turn with you. And so the free will offerings express the devotion to God and the gratitude for his goodness and providence may have been the first fruit of the livestock according to Genesis 4 and 4. Then there was the peace offering. The third offering is the shelem or the peace offering. This is category first discussed in Leviticus 3 including thanksgiving offerings, also the free will offerings and the wave offerings. So I know you've probably seen all this in the Bible and some of you probably never seen it. But all this is in scripture. I'm just mentioning it right now. But you can go back and look at it yourself. All right. And so the purpose of the peace offering, and I put it up there on purpose for you to see it up there, was to consecrate a meal between two or more parties before God and share that meal together in fellowship of peace and a commitment to each other's future prosperity. I love to get around and eat with folk to talk about how God is doing some great things in their life. Woo, that's that peace offering where you just sit around, y'all done consecrated the meal, and y'all already know what God is doing in your future because your future look bright. Listen, it's not, it's not a sight thing, it's a faith thing. I don't want to get too carried away with that. It's not a sight thing, it's a faith thing. Because see, you can operate in faith when it don't even look right. You can operate in faith when it looks like it's going left when God done already told you it's going right. 
Then there's the sin offering. Now all these offerings in the Bible. The fourth offering called the Shittah. Literally sin or sin offering. The offering is sometimes seen as an offering of atonement for unintentional sin. Similarly, it, it, it is something viewed as guilt offering, removing the consequences for lack of perfection, the guilt offering. And, and an atonement offering is contained elements of a burnt offering, yet at the same time had uh, elements of a peace offering. And so conversely, some of the sins for which one needed atonement were not moral sins, but rather of ritual impurement. Uh-huh. And as such, some have proposed the term purification offering instead of sin offering. And so the primary purpose of this offering is not to atone for sins, but rather to purify oneself for reentering the presence of God. That's why you say we enter to the gates with thanksgiving and we come into the courts with praise. You get cleaned up out at the door. If you ever looked at you know, the tabernacle, you got to clean up at the labor first. They do all the washing and cleaning and sacrifice outside before you go into the holies of holies. And before you go into the most holy place, you got to do some things in the holies of holies. You got the, uh, the incense, you got all those things that are in the holies of holies. And so you can go into the most holy place. And so you must, you're, you're saying, I'm cleaning myself while I'm getting ready to re-enter into the presence of God. Hallelujah. Many of you all did a peace offering today and didn't even know it. And so guilt offering is the fifth and the final offering that I want to talk about right now as the asham. That's what it is in Hebrew. Asham, traditionally uh, translated as guilt offering. Unlike the English word guilt, this does not refer to a matter of one's conscience, but rather to something one owes on the account of a sin. And so other categories for the name of this offering are the trespass offering or the reparation offering. And so the purpose of this offering was to make reparations to one's sin. As such, this offering had a specific monetary value to it, and one who owed another on account of a debt due to sin could repay it in silver rather than by sacrifice of a ram. In addition, a 20% fee was assessed and given to the priest for mitigating the debt. So we understand that there, basically there are some rules and things that comes with the offerings that were given back when. So the sacrificial system of the Old Testament was a means of grace by which the relationship between God and humanity begins to be restored. The ultimate thing for the offerings was restoration. And ultimately, the sacrificial system was inadequate. You know that, right? And none could repay the debt of life that was old until Christ defeated death once and for all. Now, where did he do it? On the cross. And so in the age of the church, we live in, in light of Christ's meritorious uh, sacrifice was for his, while also offering our own lives as a living and holy sacrifice. So that's what God wants us to do. He wants us now to present our body. Not the lambs or the bullocks or the goats or whatever. He wants us to offer our bodies 
at a living sacrifice. Now, as we continue to roll in, there, there's so many other offerings. You talk about the tithe, you talk about the seed, or the offering as the Bible would refer it to. Now, in the Bible, it refers to the seed being the word of God. Also, it referred to it as being an offering. Then there's a first fruit. Then there's almsgiving, almsgiving, you know, all those kinds of things. So the point that I'm trying to make is that the word of God is big on giving because man becomes emotionally tied to his position, possessions. That's what happens. We get emotionally tied to our possession. And so the object or the things given may not be the same. However, the principle of giving is very much the same. It's the principle. The objects may differ, but the principle is the same. First fruit giving is a God principle of giving. Say that with me. It's a God principle. So the first fruit are usually done once a year or for every new blessing that you receive according to Deuteronomy 14 and 22. Right? So, once a year, according to the Bible, they gave first fruit or when they increased in their blessings. So, let me read Deuteronomy 14 to it. It says, Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. Now, I say the object makes change because back then they were using, you know, uh, they were using things that they planted. They used grain. They used wheat. They used corn. They used all these things because these things was medium of exchange. Yes, and that's what they used. The objects may change, but the principle is the same. For example, we should practice giving the full amount of our first salary that we get from our new job. All right, now, some of you all going to kind of choke a little bit. An increase in your salary should be also be given to your spiritual storehouse. The first fruit. Now, Bishop, you done lost me already. You ain't even got started yet, but don't let me lose you. Let me, let me get to the end. Don't just go ahead and judge it now what I'm saying, but let me get to the end before you say you don't really want to hear it. All right? But now, this is the practice. Now, you, you, you go study for yourself. I done done mine. So what that mean to me, Bishop? Say, for instance, that you made $100 a day. Right? $100 a day. I know you make more than that, but $100 a day. This is for example. And your boss came in and just patted you on the shoulder and said, you know, you've been doing a good job. I'm going to give you $110 a day. Well, that first 10 of that raise is your first fruit. Got it? I'm just trying to clear, get, paint a picture for you so you can look at it. All right? So now any blessings that you receive count as a first fruit. So all these should be offered to God. Giving your first fruit once a year should will show how grateful you are for the blessings that you receive from him. That's what you're saying. You're showing your, your gratefulness to God. Amen. 
Now, hold your wig on tight because I'm going to say the next part to that. You get a new job. All right, scratch that. You, you know, you left your old job, but you get a new job. And they say they're going to pay you $5,000 a month. And we're going to pay you, after we take, you know, you know we're going to pay you whatever uh, a, a week or every two weeks or whatever like that. So when you get that new job, Whatever you get the first check is first fruit. Now somebody looking at me like I'm making this up. The Bible points out a primary principle for the principle of first fruit giving. Lord, help me. God, why you have me teaching this and we got all these guests here? Let me teach something else. Got all these guests here today. I could have, man, I could have really just went forward today. In the Old Testament times, the Jews would come together at Passover time and appear before the Lord with their first fruits. Now, the purpose of this was to offer to God, watch this, the very first of the very best that they had. Say that with me, the very first. Of the very best. One more time, the very first of the very best. That's what you offered. You offered the very first of the very best to God. Now, this is an important principle to remember as we have already begun a new year, we can't, uh, we, we, we can't ignore it because God requires uh, this of us as well. God based their prosperity on the inheritance of this principle. It's not just an Old Testament principle or a New Testament principle or a church program. It's God's principle. First fruit giving goes deeper than just passing the offering plate on Sunday. It's based on a biblical theme in uh, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Let's look at it real quick. Let's look at it. That's our foundation scripture. Oh, Lord, help me through here. I want the people to come back. I want, you know, don't, I want them to think this is all I'm te I teach over here. This is, no, this is just a part. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Y'all say, somebody say possessions. Now, let me see if I got this right because I don't want to say something wrong. Possessions are things that you already have. Is that correct? Is that, is, am I telling it right? Is possessions, I got to honor the Lord with my possessions, that's something that I already have. Is that correct? So I got to honor him with the things that I already have. So the job that you have you already have that, so you got to honor the Lord with the job that you have, and we do that through tithes and offerings. Right? So tithes is a 10% plus an offering. Am I still in the house? Now watch this. He put a comma there. He said, and 
Now you got to honor with your possessions, right? And with the first fruits, it's an S on there, of some of your increase. Oh, okay, I just want to make sure y'all looking at it. So you, you got to honor the Lord with your possessions, something you already have, and then what, what you are going to receive. See, an increase is something you're going to receive. Now, how many of y'all expect to increase? See, I expect to increase because I'm going to sow on that increase because I'm expecting another increase after that increase. And so he says here, and with all, with the first fruit of all your increase, and, and why, I want, why I want to do that, Bishop? Why I want to honor the Lord my possessions, and why I want to uh, 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 honor him the first fruit of all my increase? Why I want to do that? So your bonds will be filled with plenty. Somebody shout plenty. And your vats all will overflow with new wine. Now, wine indicates joy and increase because anytime something great happens in your life, it brings a smile on your face. Why in the world God want me to have plenty? Why in the world he want my bond to be filled with new wine and be filled with plenty? Why he wants that? Because he knows if you honor him with your possessions and with the first fruit of your increase, he can trust you with more. I believe God can trust me with more. I'm not a hypocrite. I've been doing this. I've been tithing and giving offerings ever since I was 14. Hallelujah. How are you not, Bishop? Dad? Well, praise the Lord. From 14 to 60, I've been tithing, and God has been good to me. And, and when I check the records, I'm not the only one he's been good to. Because he's been good to many of you that are out there because you are, you, you say, God, you can trust me and I'll do what I'm supposed to do with my possessions and my increase. <laughs> See, some of us think that we don't, we're not going to get anything if we don't give anything. If I hold on to everything, I have more. Uh-uh. You get when you give. See, when you give, it releases that hand for God to put more in. <laughs> it's going to get deeper. It's going to get deeper. So now watch this. Watch me now. See, some of you all... You, <laughs> See, when you praise him after you receive your blessing from God, that's gratitude. Anybody can praise him after God has showed out on their behalf. 
Are y'all hearing me? Anybody can give him to pray when God done doubled the things that are in their life. But when you praise him before you receive your blessing, that's faith. Some of y'all praise him before you get it. And God is working something on your behalf right now. You can't hide a hold your seat right now because you are you in a posture of expectation. I'm in a position of expectation. I know I done release, and I know God is about to return it full fold. Come on now, you want to talk with me? Come a little closer. Just yeah, let's listen. Let's just talk. Let's just reason together. I, I, I believe God. Listen, God is up to something. Could you look at the one next to you and say, God is working on something for you. Mm-hmm, he's working on something for you. And, and look back at him and smile and say, I want all of it too. <laughs> Woo! How many of y'all want all what God has to offer you? Yes, I do. All right, y'all sit down now, I'm coming. So God has always demanded to be first place. Everybody say first place. See, Exodus 20 and 5, it says, For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. So our relationship with God is like a marriage relationship. We are the bride of Christ. He demands first place, and he gets jealous if he's not. He won't play second fiddle for anybody. He doesn't like you flirting with the devil or anything else. He said, I want first place in your life. So there's a certain expectation and rights in a marriage relationship. I buy my wife flowers. You understand what I'm saying? Not your wife, but my wife. She expects it. She deserves it. She wants it. And she demands it. I should be giving her my undivided attention. Why? Because I love her. And so does God. This is the first fruit giving. This is the thanksgiving. You give it because you're thanking him for an expression of devotion and you're thanking him for what he's already done and you're thanking him while he's doing it and you're thanking him in your future. You're giving thanks every time you give an offering to the Lord. You're telling God, I thank you for this, for that, and I know you're going to do something else on my behalf. You have never, ever left my life. Even when I was messing up, you still protected me from danger seen and unseen. If you were like me while you were acting a fool, God still was watching out for you. <laughs> so just like she expects it, she wants it, she deserves it, she demands it, and so does God. See, this is first fruit giving. God demands that we give him our very best. Making him first place in our life. And so times haven't changed. This is an eternal principle. 1 Corinthians 10 and 31. I know they're going to put up on the screen. That's why I start reading before you turn there. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, 
do all to the glory of God. So since the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, God no longer demands blood sacrifices in the temple. His method has changed, but God hasn't. His principle has never changed. God still demands first place in your life. Romans 12 and 1. Look what it says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You see that? And then Luke 10 and 27 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind. So God won't first place. I don't care what you do or say. Second best would never do in first fruit offerings. What coach would be satisfied with the second best effort? Who getting ready to play? Uh, the first game is going to be uh, Kansas City and, uh, uh, you know, the, what, the Bengals? Can you imagine the coach say, all right, guys, let's go. I want you to give your second best today. Can you imagine Patrick, Patrick Mahone coach talking about, all right, come on, Patrick, you just give your second best. That's all we need, your second best today. They, man, they're going to tape him up, give him up, drugs up, everything up, and make that ankle work like it's supposed to work so he can be able to give his best. And see, the thing is, when you're in battle, you have to learn how to play while you're hurt. You got to fight while you're hurt. The devil not going to stop coming at you just because you got wounded. You got to learn how to fight even though you got hit. Lord, please don't surround me with folk that want to give up when they break the little nail or the little toenail and every little thing that hit them, a little sniffle. I need some folk that know how to fight while they bandaging themselves up at the same time. I'm sewing myself up so I can get right to be in the battle and in the fight with you. Don't get me around these folk that are scared and cowards and running and uh -uh, no, 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 so you, you go out and give, you give your second best, no, they always say go out and give me 110%, what, what husband would be satisfied with a second rate cookie, baby I got these beets for you today, ain't nothing wrong with beets but we just ain't gonna have just beets baby. What wife would be satisfied with being the second most important woman in your life? Baby, you're important, but you're the second most important. Look how first lady was looking when I said that. Y'all see the mouth, how it got looking like that? She said, I know you're doing that as an example, right? The second most important woman in a husband's life. And yet why we do expect God to be satisfied with less than our best. So what is the first fruit of a sour grape vine? A bunch of sour grapes. What is the first fruit of a rotten apple? A bag of rotten apples. 
In contrast, what is the first fruit of an orchard of red, red, ruby red apples? You're going to have uh, the first fruit of red, ripe apples. So God requires that the first fruit offering be the very best. Say that with me. God requires that the first fruit offering be the very best. Not just enough to get by a token or a symbol, a kind of God doesn't accept polluted sacrifice of offering. He don't accept that. Look there with me in Malachi, the first chapter, verse 6. You might have seen this or you maybe haven't. Look what it says. A son honor his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests, he's talking to the preachers now, that despise my name. You mean to tell me we got preachers doing that? And you say, wherein have we despised thy name? Look what he said in verse 7. Ye offer polluted bread unto, uh, upon my altar. And you say, wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, listen to this, is it not evil? And if ye offer a lame and a sick, is that not evil? Is it not evil? Offer it now unto the governor. <laughs> That's what the Lord said. Offer it to the governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person? Said the Lord. Oh, yeah, offer that to the governor and see what happens. It ain't going to look good for you. And too often we keep the very best and give God what's left over. We keep the best time. Come on now. Huh? We keep the best time and give the Lord maybe an hour on Sunday. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. We keep the best service and then we're too tired to work for him. You're not on a team ministry. And if you are on a team ministry, when was the last time you've been to the meeting? When was the last time you participated on the team? We give God leftovers. Uh -huh. we, give, uh, we take the best thoughts and only think about him if we think about it or if we're desperate. Lord, you know I need you now. You didn't think about him all the time. Things were going so good, but now that it's going bad, Lord, if you just get me out of this. We give God what is left over, and we keep the best dollars. Uh-oh. And we put a tip in the offering plate. If we have any left over at the end of the week or the month. I, ain't, I looked in there. Ain't nothing in there. Why it's not in there? Why it's not in there? God should have got his first. See, so many times our giving to God is an afterthought. Oh, I got to go to church Sunday. I just thought about it. Instead of having our offering ready to give God on Sunday, a lot of people open their wallet and purse as the offering plate is being passed and look inside and say, you know, I see if they, if they have any more money than they, 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 you know, that, that, that they don't need, then I might give something. 
And in Malachi's time, God's people had rejected God's principle, first fruit given. And the results were that they were giving to God something that was of no value to them or to God. And they were really dumping their discards on God. They were giving God their leftovers. They were letting God have their, you know, rummage after picking over all the best things. And so they were treating God as a goodwill God. Please don't treat God as a goodwill God. Well, you say, oh, that's, look, okay. Yeah, we done sat in that chair long enough. It's sagging. Go ahead and give it to the house of God. In modern times, they really were, if you will, they were giving God the end slices of the bread. They ate the good bread themselves, but they say, here you go, God. They were giving God their used tea bags after they used them first. They were giving God their used chewing gum after they had got all the good flavoring out of it. Are you getting my point now? So God says, I'll not have it. I'll not be disgraced in such a way. I'll be uh, not be treated as such a manner. After a while, it became a habit taking God for granted. And like the relationship between a husband and wife, after a while, it becomes natural. Well, you treat them as an afterthought. A man should never treat his wife as an afterthought. She should be your first thought. If you sit beside your wife, I'm going to help you. I want to help you. Look at it and say, baby, you're my first thought. You want to really get good and say, you're my only thought. Huh? Okay. <laughs> We're going to get there, though. So we will reap with God what we sow. You can't sow daisies if you want to, you know, uh, you, can't sow, you can't reap daisies if you sow in the stinkweed. You can't reap tomatoes if you sow in sand spurs. You can't reap health if you throwing all that garbage in your body. I'm waiting for God to give me divine health. And you still eating all that garbage that's keeping you unhealthy. Uh-oh, I done messed up now. I done messed up now. You putting all that junk in your body and saying, God, I want you to heal. God said, if you cut it out, I'll heal you. You can't keep eating all that fatty food. All of that ham and bacon and sausages and all of that stuff, all of that fatty beef and you know, and going to Burger King and McDonald's and, and talking about, I want, a, I want a double size, a super size. And when we see you, yeah, baby, you've been super because you're wearing it. You ate the super size and you became super size. Am I in trouble yet? Am I, am I in trouble yet? 
Am I in trouble yet? Now, now you're not going to get rid of that belly eating all them desserts all the time. All that sugar and you talking about, I want to lose my gut. It's going to stay right there and get bigger. You can't be eating all them starches because that turns into sugar too. And then, you know, it makes you sleepy, so you eat a lot of it, and you go and turn on the television, and my God, look at that, what we have. Now, y'all laughing at the men, but let me come to you too, sister. You talking about you want to get fine and you still sneaking chips and Oreos and, uh, you know, and you got them, them big old candy bars. You want the big side, the family side candy bar. You don't want the little, cup, the little, little portion of it. You want the whole bar. Give me the biggest snicker you can find. I don't need them little mini things. That don't do nothing but aggravate me. Give me that big, long one. And you still tell me, I'm going to get fine. I'm going to get back fine one day. Not eating all that. Not eating all that. You ain't going to get no fine like that there. And quit talking about, quit making that excuse. Talking about that, that, that baby fat. No, that grown folk fat. That grown folk fat there, there ain't no baby fat there. Ain't nothing baby about that. Ain't nothing tender about that. That old. <laughs> Woo, let me get back to my message here. I'm messing. Uh, uh, but, uh, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, help me. Y'all say help the bishop. Help him. See now? See now? We've been fasting. And we tried to get you a jump start. The first six days, we, 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 we did partial fast, right? The first six days were what? No sweets. Y'all done already forgot because you've been just killing sweets since then. No sweets, right, was the first week. The second week was what? No starches, basically, right? And the third week was what? What we just finished. No sugary drinks. Today we're going to tear it up. Want the biggest sweet drink I can find. <laughs> That's what y'all saying. And then starting Monday is what? No meats for a week. On Sunday, you know, as our free day, you get to. So a lot of you all been participating in this. But I'm going to tell you what I did. I started way before y'all started. I started no sweets and no starches way before you started and still been doing it. Because I told my wife I got to lose my gut. It done went down. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. I ain't no hypocrite. I can see it in my face and everything else. Then I started reading. I said, these sweets and starches killing me. I got to stop killing myself. And watch this. You're not going to die because you don't have it. Matter of fact, you're going to have more energy. And my wife said, you don't need no more energy. But you have some, you have some more energy. I'm going to tell you something else. 
If you stop that, all them ailments that you got going on, they're going to disappear. Watch this. Headaches, backaches, huh? stomach pain, all them things that you got going on right now, if you just stop those sweets and those starches that are just sitting there, because what happens is, is that you full, fill your liver up and it starts leaking, and that's why you get the bulging. It can only hold so much. When it starts leaking, you got all that extra stuff that's outside of it. It can't function like it's supposed to. It can't take care of all that garbage that you're putting in it. Now it gets quiet. Because now, Lord, help me. I got to get in my neck. I'm, I'm talking about something. We got, we got children obesity now. It's worse than it ever been. Because nobody want to cook no healthy meal. We let McDonald's and Burger King all the babysit our children. Oh, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. All right. I hope I didn't make nobody mad. I really should. So you can't reap no brownies if you sow in Brussels sprouts. If you're stingy to God, you will reap accordingly. Okay, okay. Galatians 6 and 7, look what it says. Be not deceived, God is not marred. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he reap. So God says, quit marking me. What did God think when Israel rejected his first food giving? Uh, Malachi, look what he says. He says, even from the days of your father, Ye are gone away from my ordinances. This this Malachi 3 and 7. I don't think I put that on there. For when even from the days of your father, ye are gone away from my ordinance and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, said the Lord of hosts. But ye say, Wherein shall we return? God said, Now, if you start doing what you're supposed to do, I'll do for you what I already have in store for you. I wanted you to have a healthy body. But you don't take a second thought of what you eat. Because some of you, all you already know, you got, it's too much salt. You can't be eating all those skins and everything else. Oh, Lord, let me go. Let me, let me, let me go. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go. And I'm going to tell you something now, you're going to have to cut back on them potato chips too. Because you, you always come in here, I'm, I'm asking the Lord to give me divine health and look how you're eating. Ain't nothing divine coming out of that. You're going, to be, you're going to be going to the hospital like everybody else. Man, if you really want to work, man, all you got to do is go in the medical field. Boy, it's wide open. Because folk ain't going to do what they're supposed to do. Where the folk at in the medical field in here? Everybody in the medical field? Y'all gonna always keep a job. Because we hard here. We ain't gonna do what we're supposed to do. Y'all tell us to do something, we go right out and do the opposite. Who they talking to? I got this. Don't tell me what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Pass them sausages. <laughs> now, you know, I'm talking like this, but you know, I'm in moderation. Everybody shout moderation. 
I'm not telling you can't do it, but you got, you got to stop doing it all the time. And I'm going to tell you something else that you don't like. You know what you don't like? Water. You got to start drinking more water. Help me preach this thing. Tell the one next to you, you got to start drinking more water. Look what verse 10 says. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now wherewith, said the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. All you got to do is do what God say. If you do what he say, he say, I'll pour you out a blessing. You won't even have room enough. Why we want to pour me out something that I don't have enough to contain it so you can share it. You should be so blessed to you share with believers and unbelievers. Unbelievers going to say, man, I need to find out where you hang out at because you always blessing me. And we wonder why God doesn't bless us, why we're missing God's very best. It's because we have forsaken God's principle of first fruit. Now, let me just do this. Tithe can be a type of first fruit, but it's not the first fruit of what it's talking about in this sense of what we're talking about today. See, there's a difference between tithing, offerings, and first fruit. Now, I slow down so you can look at that. See, first fruit, tithes, and offerings are different according to the scripture. Okay? Let's look at the scripture. Nearby 10 and 37, and I pulled these out so you can see the, the, where it's, it's mentioning the difference. And that we should bring the first fruits, y'all see that, of our dough. Then he says, and, which is a conjunction there, our offering. He didn't say the first fruit and then the first fruit. He said first fruit and offerings. There's a difference there. They say they got to bring their first fruit and their offerings, right? You see it? And the first fruit of all manner of trees. Now, that's the different object that I'm talking about. They're talking about fruit from trees and wine and of oil unto the priests. He said bring the offering. Bring the first fruit unto the priest to the chambers of the house of our God. And watch this. And the tithes of our ground unto the Levites that the same Levites might have the tithe in all cities and all our uh, tillage. Now, the Levites, let's bring it up to date, is the employees that we have at the church. The tithe helped take care of the grounds of the church and the workers of the church. See, the Levites stayed at the temple. Don't nobody stay at the temple here. We come to work and then we go home. But that's what it was for. All right? I'm going to show you another one. Nehemiah uh, 12 and 44. It says, and at that time were some appointed over the chambers of the treasurers. Now, you don't need no treasure if you ain't taking up nothing. Somebody had to be appointed over the chambers of the treasure. Because they were bringing in gifts that people were giving, right? All right? Now, why we got to do this? For the offerings, everybody say offerings. 
for the first fruit. Everybody say first fruit. And for the tithe. Everybody say tithe. So you see here, offerings, first fruit, and tithe are three different things here. To gather unto them out of the fields of the cities the portion of the law for the priest and for the Levite, for Judah rejoiced for the priest and for the Levite that waited. So first fruits are giving the first portion to God. You got it? So Romans 11 and 16 says, let me see if I can speed up, if the part of a dough offered as first fruit is holy, y'all follow me? Then the whole batch is holy. Let me see if I got this right. My first fruit, and my first fruit is holy, then my whole, everything I have going to be holy. And that's key, that's critical. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Right? So giving the first portion of your finances to God will cause all of your finances for the rest of the year to be holy. So if I do it right in the first beginning, God is saying that everything after that is going to be holy. So first fruit causes, don't miss this, God to treat your finances as holy giving you favor with God because your finances are connected to the first fruit offer. So if I get the first of the first right, the rest of it is going to be right. So it's critical that I get my first fruit of the year and any time I got to increase that my first fruit is first. It causes everything else that's attached to it to be holy. In other words, set aside. <laughs> All right, little baby. So watch this now. Watch this. Watch this. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one that we're running around there praising. Somebody teaching that baby right there. So, Ezekiel 44 and 30. Watch this now. So, the first, did, did it say the first? Of some, all first fruits of every kind and every contribution of every kind for all your contributions. Look her here. Now, what are contributions? You're giving. Let me read that again. The first of all first fruit of every kind and every contribution of every, whatever comes through your life, through your hand, he says all of it from all of your contributions shall be for the priests. And you shall also give to the priests the first of your dough. Watch this here. To cause a blessing to rest on your house. You may not need more money, but you need more blessings on your house. See, first fruits impart a blessing on your home. I raise your hand if you need a blessing on your home. 
That's I need the blessing on my home. And many times the financial blessing is not our major need or concern. Having a blessing on your home positions uh, you to have healing in your physical, spiritual, and emotional need for you and your family. And when you give your first fruit, not only do you benefit, but your saved and unsaved loved ones benefit as well. Because of your obedience, you cause everybody that's living in your house to get the blessing from a first fruit offering. So that the blessing will be on your home. Now, you, you probably ain't never heard this type of teaching in your life. And you probably don't want to hear it no more. But we say, but it's my money. It's my time. It's my life. Oh, yeah? You think so? God owns everything. Let, let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. Psalms 24 and 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth, watch this here where we coming at. And they that dwell therein. You, not, you, don't even, you, don't, you don't even own yourself. God said he owns you. The earth is the Lord and you are too. So is it really yours? So God owns the cattle on a thousand hill, the hill, the sweet taters in the hill. I'm telling you, God owns everything. Colossians 1 and 16 says, look what it says. For by him were all things created that are where? In the heavens, that are in the earth, visible and invisible. He created all of it. Visible, what you see, that person sitting in front of you, that person is visible, God created them. Invisible, what you don't see. When you, and you don't see that, but God created that too. Invisible and uninvisible, God created where there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him for him. That's what it says in Colossians. First Corinthians 6 and 20 says, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your what? Bodies and in your spirit which are God. God said your body and your spirit belong to him. You don't even belong to yourself. You belong to God. God doesn't need your money. He don't need your possessions. He don't need your service. He don't need your work. He don't need your time. He don't need your talent. But he can do it all without you. He can do everything that he wants to do without you. Are you following me? But, let me say this, he wants it. Why? Because it's the result of your giving, you giving yourself to him. You show God that God, everything about me belongs to you. I give you all of me. Everything about me belongs to you. So God has made you a steward of all that he has given you. Luke uh, 16 and 16, 1 through 2, I don't have time to read it right now, but a steward who wasted his master's good is considered to be dishonest, a dishonest steward. 
all that was entrusted to him was taken away. Why? Because the master couldn't trust him with it. If God can't trust you with the way you've handled the little things he has given you, why should he trust you with more? And when we violate God's principle of first fruit giving, we show him exactly what we think of him. But I can't afford to give very best to God. No, you can't afford not to. We have that false idea that God is interested more in the amount than we can give him, than the quality of the gift. Now, how much did the poor widow woman give? The Bible says she gave what? Two mites. In other words, two cents or less than two cents, if you please. Now, it wasn't much, but it was all that she had. Most important than that, the size of the gift, it was the amount left over. Zero. See, God is not so much caught up in the amount that you have, but the amount that is left over. Please don't miss that. She didn't refuse to give anything. Just because she didn't have 200 to give, she simply gave what she had. And she didn't let what she didn't have influence her to do nothing. Since I don't have what y'all got, I ain't going to give nothing. She didn't do that. God looks at your heart and the amount, but not necessarily the amount giving. God looks at the amount left over. Watch me now. If a person has 100000 and give 10000 how much do they have left over? 90,000, some of y'all real good, quick with math. If a person has 100 and gave 10, how much do they have left over? 90. So both gave 10%, right? Now in God's sight, which one gave more? I'm going to tell you, because you're going to think, well, wait, now they gave the same. The person who gave 10. Why? Because it's about what's left over. This person got 90,000 left over. This person got 90 left over. It's about what you have left over. Are you following? <laughs> Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 16 and 2. Say, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay aside by him in store as God has prospered him. God looks at how much you have left over to see the value of your gift to him. So if God is valuable to you, you will not stop at 10. Somehow, some way, you will find yourself giving to God because you want to show him how much you love him. Gentlemen, with your wife, you don't say, wait a minute, I know I gave you allowance, but that's the limit. But even if she goes over the limit, you find yourself going over the limit. Why? Because you love them. And you want to invest in them. And so we say that we can't afford to give to God, and yet we go home and turn on our colored TVs. We record on our TV programs on a fancy TV. We heat our meals in our microwave oven and say we can't afford to give to God. 
We listen to our Christian CDs and download on our stereo system, and God has been good to us. We plan vacations to the beach, and, but we can't afford to give God. Is God really concerned about such things? Yes, he is. Why? Because it reveals where our heart and affections are. It's an indication of your yieldedness to him, our love for him. It slaps him in his face the way some Christians treat God when it comes to first fruit giving. Why? Because it's a gauge of how our, our love for him. It is an insight of our faithfulness, our love, and our dedication to God. So let me see if I can close this out. God gauges our thanksgiving or our thanks, uh, thankfulness by our obedience to his principle of first fruit giving. We are giving God the leftovers in our life. And the end slices, the discarded, a tip in the orphan plate and keeping the best for ourselves. Look what it says there in 2 Corinthians 8 and 5. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. God wants to be first place. Look at 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully, what? Shall also reap bountifully. So what are we sowing? What are we reaping? Let's make this the best year ever. How? By giving to God our very best. That's what we're going to do. We're going to give God our very best. We're not going to shortchange God. God is moving amongst his people. I'm done. I had to hurry up. I've been up here long enough. Let's stand. But that's not your usual closing. Well, that's the way we're going to close today.